the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, in the Bible, I really love when you uh, read these impassioned firsthand testimonies of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, a man that Jesus healed, he said, you know, whether this man was a sinner or not, I don't know, but I know that I was blind and now I see. And you read many of these testimonies, how Jesus changed his lives. Well, in First John, not the Gospel of John, but First John Go over to the book of Revelation and back up a few pages. It begins with something so powerful, and we'll get into this, but it says, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life." And it goes on, we'll get into it, but it says, "...these things we testify to you, the reality." of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And with that, we welcome you to this edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here, along with the 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 famous Bert Harper, and I'll explain. But we hope you'll get a copy of God's Word. Turn to 1 John, and we'll join together and read this, and then take Bible questions, and we'll just have a good time on this edition of Exploring the Word, won't we, Bert? We do, and and this is what makes it good. It's a living Word. It's not dead. It's alive. And uh, when you get into the Bible, I, I just tell you, uh, there's nothing more thrilling. Uh, many times it is just so filling of our lives. Sometimes it convicts us beyond measure. Sometimes the promises overwhelm us. And so the Word of God, it's it's a new adventure every day when we come to exploring the Word. I really believe that. And uh, we've been <laughs> we've been anxiously looking forward to going through First John now for about a month. Uh, you know, we were look we were in Mark, and it honestly took a little longer than we planned, which is not unusual. We get uh, we get going through it. But I've been looking forward to do this. It's been a five, five or six years since we went through First John, and so we're looking forward to it again. And those of you that are new believers, you haven't, uh, you haven't been saved a real long time, stay with us as much as you can in First John. And if you don't get the program live, go to the podcast. You can go to AFR.net. Look at podcast and look at the day you missed because I want to tell you, First John, for, well, let me do it this way, Alex, and I'll throw it back to you. The book of John, the gospel of John, is at his end so that you might believe. In First John, it's because you have believed, you can know. And so they fit, really, they fit together. We talk about uh, Luke and Acts fitting together, you know, from one to the other. Yeah. In my opinion, I do believe the Gospel of John and then First John really fit together because uh, it's not necessarily historical far as the time frame, but far as the message, it really fits well, doesn't it? Well, it really does. I mean, it's powerful. And, you know, here's one of those big 85-cent the- theological words. It's very Christological. In other words, right. it just really points to Jesus and our relationship with him. Uh, we're going to get to a verse that I just love here in a little bit, but um, th- these called the epistles of John, uh, first, second, third John, and this is the same 
Apostle John that wrote the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation. Now, with five books to his credit, uh, really only the Apostle Paul wrote more New Testament books than John. That When you find that and you see that, uh, he was, and a, most of these, I, we know for sure, First John, written later in his life, I think John, uh, I think it took him a while. Uh, it seems like most folks agree John was the last one of the four Gospels that were written, and then mm-hmm. First John was written after that. Second and Third John, uh, they're not as, you know, you can look at it, but it they fit together. And so yeah. you're exactly right. It's the Apostle John, John the Elder, because when he wrote this, he was he was the apostle that was still living. Uh, yeah. Most of the others had gone out, had become martyrs, and uh, John had had survived so many of them. And so, you know, kind of John the Apostle, but he was considered the elder. And matter of fact, Polycarp, one of the great church fathers, uh, he was one of those that studied under the Apostle John. Yeah. And, uh, Can you it, imagine? It, that, I, and it, that... That fits into a century and a half, Alex. Uh, you know, it, it's it's pretty powerful uh, background when you look at John and who wrote it and the effect it had on others that followed him because he lived long enough to really be able to influence some people that came along later and carried the gospel into all the, all the world. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, and what's really amazing. Paul, in the book of Galatians, Galatians 2 verse 9, Paul lists three pillars of the church, James, Cephas, and John. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just very powerful. It really is. And I've always loved the gospel of John. And uh, as the old, uh, there's no gospel song, John the Revelator, John wrote, did you, did you ever hear that song? I did. I, re- I hadn't thought of that in ages. Yes, I remember that old gospel song. Folks, if you want a blessing and it's upbeat, uh, you ought to get online and listen to Phil Kagey, very famous guitarist, Phil Kagey, and he did his version of John the Revelator, and it'll bless your heart. So we're going to get into First John here, but Bert, i got to tell you, I want to give a big shout-out to the wonderful people of South Carolina. I was down there this weekend in the Florence, South Carolina area, Hoffmeyer Road Baptist Church, had a great weekend with um, Mark Wells, who is an elder. He might be listening now, Brother Mark and Dr. Greg Batchelor, the pastor, who turns out we he and I have some mutual friends in the ministry. But the people uh, of two campuses, they've got two campuses, and if you happen to live in that area, folks, just a fantastic church in every way. I mean, the Spirit was moving, and a lot of people came to the altar to pray. And uh, But i got to tell you, a lot of teenagers I met very excited for the Lord, and I taught on apologetics and biblical worldview. And Bert, you're going to love this. I'm looking at some photos right now of these young people that were wanting me to sign their books. Imagine 8th, ninth graders, 11th graders committed to Christ, committed to winning their friends to Christ, but here's the thing. They come up, and, the, and these teenagers, they say, tell me about Bert Harper. And I said, well, he's great. Uh, what do you want to know? And and they're, they want to know how we do this program and everything. But listen to this, folks. You know, here's two guys that are well past the teenage years. <laughs> and yet, I give God the glory for every listener, but teenagers, 
We're t- Bert, they're telling me how they love to hear you teach God's Word. They ride in the car with Mom, and they listen every day. So to the teenagers everywhere, and especially those at Hoffmeyer Road and Florence, South Carolina, Bert and Alex are saying, keep on standing strong for Jesus. Amen. That thrills me, and I want to tell you, uh, <laughs> I, I was reading an article, uh, uh, not necessarily an article, a lesson, and it said times are always difficult but sometimes are more difficult than others. Let me just tell you, we're, in, we're living in one of those more difficult times here in America and the church, and those young people that stay with God and stay with the stuff, love his word, and they are guided by God's word rather than the culture, way to stand, way to stand. And those and seniors— You'll never regret you it. you never regret Those graduates that's graduating from high school, listen— when you get ready to go hear the stuff that you're going to have to hear to get a degree, uh, you know, I wonder if it's worth it sometimes. That's just me speaking. That's Bert Harper, not anyone else. But listen, take the Word of God. The Word of God is sure. It is settled in heaven. Science, listen, it's so-called science. Most of science today, and I hate to say this, is philosophy more than the science. Oh, yeah. uh, they, they have the philosophy of I mean, science tells you what male and female are, but the 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 agenda and the philosophy is, well, that can be trans, that can be, no, it can't. Stay with the stuff. Stay with God's Word. Mm. You know, uh, it's funny, uh, and we got to get in first, John, but uh, I was doing an interview earlier about, uh, of all things, the... In the world of poultry, and that's something I know something about because 68 years my family ran uh, an egg and chicken farm, and we we grew broilers um, that we sold to Campbell Soup, and we sold eggs to almost 1,000 egg customers. But here's the thing. There was a news story today about how um, in many a poultry breeding facility, they uh, if it's an embryo of a male chicken they abort that because they just want hens okay well PETA and all these animal rights groups are you know having a big noise because they say um, a chicken embryo can feel pain and it's immoral and they use the word immoral to abort a male chicken embryo that can feel pain now, what's wrong with this picture? Well, first of all, let me say, oh, there is male and female. My goodness, male and female are actual objective gender categories. But here's the other thing. The very same people that would try to picket poultry farms over a male chicken embryo feeling pain, they don't think one thing about a human being being gruesomely aborted while the child screams in utero. Bert. We're upside down, aren't we? We are upside down. So our goal is to turn the right, the world upside, right side up. And yes. when you get into the book of 1 John, let me give you this real quick, about, about a minute and a half. You're going to hear th- some words repeated over and over. One of those words is no, K-N-O-W. It is Amen. repeated at least 30 times that you might know, that you may have known. And then you got to look at these three L words, love, life, and light, especially love. And he qualifies that love into obedience. In other words, true love of God brings about the knowledge of truth, 
which brings about obedience. So, Alex, you're looking at obedience, love, and truth. Those Amen. three combined together will, I, listen, it will strengthen you. It will help you to stand in no matter which day it is. When you have, when you know God's love and you're obeying that because it is true, you can stand anywhere, anytime, at any place. You really can. And uh, so that's what we're wanting to do to help you to be able to, after you've done everything else, help you to stand for Christ. That's our goal as we go through the book of First John, isn't it? It is. It is. And it begins, as, as I read earlier, uh, that which we have looked upon, uh, our hands have touched, the word of life. This life was manifested. We have seen, bear witness, and declare. Now, when we come back, I'll explain what all those mean. This is Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network with Bert Harper, Alex McFarland. We're so honored that you're listening. Stay tuned. More of God's Word and your questions and calls after this. Don't go away. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. If you got pain, he's a pain Amen. I love that song, but I'm cutting into it before it gets to the end of the bumper music because we want to get into the book of 1 John. Alex, when you come to verse 2, the life was manifested. It wasn't hidden. It was made known. It was revealed. When they asked Jesus, you know, about certain things, he said, I haven't done any of these things in secret. I've been here at the temple, you've heard, you've seen, and God made Jesus known. When God wanted himself known in flesh, he sent Jesus Christ, the incarnation. And that's a valuable part of what 1 John is all about because there was groups going out, you know, different ones. Everybody won't say, how, when did these happen? When did it happen? They were saying, well, Jesus really wasn't real. He was a spirit. Others were saying, well, you know, you can't have God and flesh uh, mixed up. Flesh would contaminate the, the God. So it was the Holy Spirit that ascended on him, and that was him becoming God at that time. And then before he died on the cross, God left him. And so, Alex, all this misteaching, because Paul, uh, John's going to get into what is called Antichrist, false teachers against Christ. He was making known, and you've done a good job of introducing it. We, it says, we have heard, we have seen, we have looked upon him, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Now, this really takes us back to the Gospel of John when it says, in the beginning was the Word oh, yes. in verse 14 of that same chapter, and the Word became flesh and what? Dwelt among us. And then he said, and we beheld his glory. Is there a similarity between chapter 1, verse 1, and verse 2 with John chapter 1? Oh, my goodness, yes. You know, it, they really speak with the same voice. Now, obviously, these words were written under the direction of the Holy Spirit, but can't you in John 1 and 1 John 1, I mean, don't you, I, I think most anybody would realize this is clearly the same author because the, the tone is so similar. But I love this. It says of Jesus and salvation, uh, verse 2, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was manifested with the Father and ma was manifested to us. So look, seen, bear witness, declare. 
So you personally experience, you consistently live, you clearly proclaim. Isn't that something? Yes. And uh, so this begs the question, have you seen Jesus, as John 6.40 says, to understand that he loves you and you can be saved and you experience it, you live it, and you bear witness every day, and then you declare it. So it's, it's actions and words. But verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. Uh, that's just a wonderful opening salutation. The first four verses, which is, you might, might if you were trying to be you know, literary in the way you look at this, this is the prologue. This is the introduction, isn't it? It really is, and it gives you an overview of what he's wanting to do, and the key word in the uh, is the word fellowship. When he talks about this fellowship that we have, and this fellowship, truly, our fellowship is with the Father, with his Son. And he said, and, and honestly, and you already said it, declaring it to you, in other words, he was making it known, those that had followed Christ— you have fellowship with him. And when you have fellowship with the Son, guess what, Alex? You have fellowship with the Father. And that's what he said. And with when, the body of believers. You really do. Because when you've seen the Father, Jesus said, have you not realized that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father? And so here we have this complete. Now, what happens and what does this fellowship with the Father, Son, through the Holy Spirit, with other believers bring? Look at verse 4, joy. It brings Amen. joy. Now, this is the only time the word joy is mentioned in the whole uh, letter that John writes. But the whole thing is filled with that fellowship that brings joy to your life because it's, he's going to get to it later because it's built on truth. You, you've got to combine all these together. You do not separate them. And that's what John does. He combines the love of God the truth of the word in our response to it in obedience. And when you do that, you have fellowship with him, you have fellowship with one another, and the joy of the Lord just comes in and dwells in you. Notice how he says that, that your joy may be what? Full. Full. Not, not yeah. half, not three quarters, but full. Let me add one. Uh, sometimes it's full. And running over, Alex. <laughs> well, amen. And and you know what? Uh, the joy we have in Jesus and all things, you know, Christian. I mean, to know that we're saved, to know that we're secure, to have fellowship with believers, to have peace with yourself, to come to grips with your past, and to be confident about your future. That is fullness of joy. Um, for lack of a better word, and I wish I had a bigger word, it's like the old gospel song says, I am satisfied with Jesus. Amen. You know? Yeah. And when you're satisfied, you're not looking for anything else, and you don't really need anything more. Now, God will give you more, and God will bless you more and take you to higher heights than you knew. But when you've got the Lord Jesus and all that comes with being his child, you've got it all. Alex, it says in Second Corinthians 4, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Once yeah. you find the treasure, what do you do? You, you explore. You live the treasure. 
And that's what he is. He's a treasure in us, and it's a joy. One more thing before we get out of one uh, through four, which is the introduction to it, the prologue, the intro, the whole idea is the word fellowship. Uh, it has the idea, koinonia, it has the idea of sharing. Yes. It has the same thing. And I've used this on the radio before, and it's not original with me. It was The first time I heard it was my professor at Blue Mountain College, now called Blue Mountain Christian University. And, well, uh, yeah, they are expanding and growing, and I'm thankful for that. But he'd say, fellowship, it's two fellows in the same ship. And and uh-huh. really, that does explain it. He, God, You know, God became uh, flesh so we could be heirs of what he has, you know? And yes. then because of what we become, we enter into that fellowship with him and the Father. And that brings others into that fellowship that we share together, live together. And that's why here on Exploring the Word, Alex and I will we'll tell you, if you know Jesus Christ your Savior, you're saved by grace through faith, you believe the Word of God is the Word of God, we want to major on those things that do put us together. We're living in a day when, okay, I don't exactly agree with you on that, uh, especially about eschatology, you know? Right, don't, right. don't let that, yeah, have your belief, study it, nail it down. But, you know, if they believe Jesus is coming back physically, I just want to tell you, uh, they're my brothers and sisters, and they're they're right on in that promise. They they may, We may disagree on the... The how the minutia. Yes, the minutia of it. So, Alex, uh, uh, I believe we're living in 2023 uh, when we really need to look at the things that we really uh, stand for. Now, we don't need to bend to try to get unity. You know, you don't sacrifice truth for unity. You stay in the truth. But when somebody's with you all that way. Uh, brother, we need to stand together. And I think that's the fellowship that John is right. I don't think he's writing to Baptist by themselves. Methodist, uh, we know he wasn't. They weren't around then for his the names. Uh, you know, he was writing to followers of Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Christ, man, we need to band together, praying for one another, sharing with one another, and making much of Jesus. Amen, brother. A uh, hundred times amen. Uh, by the way, folks, in... First uh, John here, one of the big themes that he talks about, uh, love and fellowship, right? But another theme that you're going to see repeated is light. Let me read verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, with God, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. I like how the King James says, do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, praise God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Bert, this is just as logical as it could possibly be. Uh, God is light. There's no darkness in him. If we are of God, we're going to walk in the light. But even if we do stumble in sin, now it should not be habitual, but if we do sin, 
we can confess that God is faithful, God is just to forgive us. But if we say that we don't have sin, uh, we're basically calling God a liar, because while God loves us, God says we have sinned and we need his forgiveness. This 1 John chapter 1 is just, it's very simple, and yet it's very profound. It is. Now, just notice this. I Look in, in verses 1 through 4, you have a repeated word, life, three times right there. And as you've already said in verses 5 through 10, especially in verses 5 through 7, you have, have the word light, love and light. Now, light is based upon truth. And that he's going to get to those words. Matter of fact, look at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And what? The truth is not in us. The truth of it's not just that we're lying to ourselves, but we have believed a lie. And the truth is not in us because he talks about it. And you've already mentioned that in verse 6. They do not practice the truth. Uh, listen, truth is, is not something you just believe, Alex. It's something you live. Notice those words, practice. It has the idea of, of living the truth, that the truth of Jesus Christ, who he is, because he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And here, when truth gets inside of us, it changes everything. What does it do? It brings on light. Now, what does that mean? It means that we look at everything differently through the light of Jesus Christ, his word. Yes, we have a different view. We have our Father's eyes, and, and, that's, and we wonder why. Why doesn't the world understand this? Uh, they're not even going against God and his revelation in the Bible these days. They're going against God in his creation these mm. days of not knowing male and female, not knowing what marriage is. And so the whole idea here is truth. And when we have that truth, it brings on the light. And that light shines in the darkness, and it reveals light always overcomes darkness, Alex. That's the truth of it. So we need to share that light, the truth of who Christ is, the light of his teaching, and not only share it in, in telling it, but also living it, don't we? We do. Well said. My goodness, this is very practical and uh, well done, my friend. Chapter 2, 1 John 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Uh, you know, one of the questions we get, in fact, I got a letter today uh, about eternal security. If we're born again, will we ever sin? And if we sin, did that mean we weren't born again or we've lost our salvation? People want to know this. But I think First John 2, 1 and 2 tells us. <laughs> yeah. uh, because when, when John, First John, when he says little children, I mean, he's talking about the family of believers, you know. Uh, brothers, sisters, we're the family of God. Um, so he says, look, we are not to walk in darkness. But if we do sin, just like the Savior, we have our, our master and our leader, the advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is interceding for us, and Jesus, the propitiation for our sins, for the sins of the whole world right there, 
verse 2, Jesus died for the whole world, uh, and whosoever will may come. But, you know, if Christ loved us enough to be our Savior, I think he'll also love us enough to be our advocate, don't you? Amen. What what words? Advocate, propitiation, uh, he is our everything. Uh, he was the high priest that offered himself. <laughs> you know, that, that just blows my mind. But one thing before we go, got about a minute and a half. Notice, I would say, John's affection for the people he's writing to. Uh, it is not addressed necessarily to particular people, but we realize at this point in his life, he had already been run out of Jerusalem. He was probably over close to Ephesus, uh, where the seven churches were that he had write about in Revelation. But notice these words of endearment. Chapter 2, verse 1, my little children. And he goes on in verse 7, brethren. And he continues to write, my little children, in verse 12, and your fathers, all these words of affection, verse 18 of chapter 2, little children, and even when you get even further into chapter 3, beloved. Alex, we're, this is John, it seems like to me, pouring out his life, uh, pouring out his love for those people, and, in, in, and let me transport that pouring out his love for those that would come after them, and that's us. His love is poured out that we might know Christ in a greater way. Praise God for the book of 1 John. Well, folks, when we come back, we're going to take your phone calls. The number, if you want to call in, and urge uh, I urge you to dial now, 888-589-8840. We're back after this. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Grace to you, grace to you, his invitation to the broken grace Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex, and that number, we do have lines that are open, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We would love your Bible question today. Alex, let me share something that's going to happen in July here in Tupelo, Mississippi. It is the Marriage, Family, and Life 2023 Conference. It's going Mm. to be July 6th through the 8th. July 6th through the 8th. It's right here in Tupelo. And it's not just a conference about family. Youth apologetics track for the youth will be given. And that from ages all the way from 4 to 17. So it's got a lot of, of information there. Great. And you can go to marriagefamilylife.net. That's marriagefamilylife all together. Don't space anything. All lowercase, marriagefamilylife.net and register. You need to get that in. This is the last time this week that it's going to be available for those that would register to come. So uh, make that part of your summer plans, the Marriage, Family, Life 20, 2023 conference here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Wow, that sounds awesome. And I know everything Will and Mickey Addison do is just top drawer. It's going to be great. And so uh, that that would be really good. That would be really good. Well, the number, folks, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We'll do our best to answer your Bible questions, and we'd love to hear from you, Bert. Uh, okay, yeah. Where do we go first? Let's go to Arkansas. Sonny, welcome to Exploring the Word. 
Yes, sir. Uh, good, to, good to hear you guys today. I've mentioned before when I call that I take grandkids to school in the morning and then pick them up about the same time y'all are on. Well, let me say and a it, word. It always gets- let, amen. Let me say a word about grandparents. What a job and what a task, but what a pleasure. And, I, uh, Sonny, I'm glad oh, you're spending that yeah. time with them, brother. Yes, sir. I just let the radio speak to them, and y'all answer a lot of their questions. Plus, I always get the plan of salvation in there somewhere, so. Amen. It's, uh, it's a great time, Jeff, in the morning and y'all in the afternoon, central time zone. But uh, the the comment I have to make, and Bert mentioned it a little while ago, that he felt like John was the last book to be written. Uh, several years ago, I had the thought and then it, that Revelation was the first thing John saw was the Revelation. And, I, and then I thought, well, why would I say that? If you look at uh, the last part of John, the book of John, he says, if everything was written down that Jesus did, the world couldn't contain the volumes of it. So then I went over to Revelation as I was reading, and he said, the angel would say, now write this down. And then there would be times when he would say, don't write this down. So those times when he said, don't write this down, I feel like those were the times that John saw and realized that there was no volumes on earth that could hold you know the the how great and vast Jesus is, and so then I started making a list of everything that relates from Revelation to what John wrote, and I have probably twenty five now, and every day I just look for more. But I'd like to share those with you sometime if we could ever get together. Man, what part of Arkansas are you in, Sonny? Well, I'm in Texarkana, right on the border. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, man, We're yeah, yes. uh, I, it's great to hear from you, Alex, John, let me say this, what, what Sonny is saying now, again, what we know and what we don't know, we don't know everything of the time frame exactly how it fits, but the thing that is so true, to, uh, Sonny, with the gospel of John, first John, especially and revelation, even second and third John, not as much cause there's not a lot of volume there. And a lot of it has to do with false teaching in one of them. Alex, you see this. Uh, I, I know it's directed by the Holy Spirit, but his personality of what he uh, is and what he says really comes out in those books. And I, I think Sonny's uh, on, on track with uh, God's continuing showing him things. And, uh, and I'm glad John got it written down. I'll put it that way. What about you? Exactly. Uh, you know, this John, the son of Zebedee. Yeah, I, I will say it's it's pretty universally acknowledged that the first one he wrote was the Gospel of John, and it is just absolutely known that the last one he wrote was the bo- book of Revelation. So um, the, the order, you know, I, I, I don't know, but traditionally, traditionally, um, the first one he wrote was thought to be the Gospel of John, but I don't know that I don't know that it really matters, does it, Bert? I mean, is, because we've got them, they're authentic, they were recognized by the early church as being authentic from God uh, through John. Uh, I'm just glad we have them. Again, I agree with you fully. The continuity is there regardless of the timing. You catch what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that is, that, I, I find that, that's like Paul. Paul's the continue the continuity of, of even in the book of, of Philippians, which was different than the others, 
because he's writing to a group of people and he's basically thanking them for what all God has done for them and others he's answering questions but you still see that that continuity that the person and the Holy Spirit working through well, I know we need to go to other callers Sonny keep on driving those grandchildren back and forth and sharing the word of God let's go to Lee in Kansas welcome Lee Yes, I was glad to talk to you. I was wondering, as Christians, when we die, our spirit goes to heaven, and at the rapture, our bodies join our spirits. So I don't think we can dance in heaven until the the rapture. Okay. Am I right or wrong? Well, let me just share this with you. The real person of who you are, Lee, who Alex is and who I am, is on the inside of us. And uh, I, I'm going to quote something, Alex, and you respond to it. I had a dear friend. He's, uh, he was, matter of fact, a distant cousin, Terry Garvin. And uh, his, his demeanor, was, he did not have a natural smile, you know. And he'd be talking about how good Jesus was and there would be not his face light up. And I remember him saying, I want to tell you, on the inside, I'm smiling like everything. So mm. relate that to dancing or celebrating and praising God, even if our bodies are not there. There's no doubt in my mind that the real us in heaven is praising God. Call it dancing or whatever you want to. But more than anything else, we are rejoicing in the Lord, aren't we? Well, we are, because you know, in 2 Corinthians 5, let me uh, urge people to read 2 Corinthians 5, where it talks about this uh, earthly habitation uh, is going to give way to a building uh, not made with hands. In this we groan, right now, we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. And the word that is translated clothed is um, our, our dwelling place. Now, um, Bert, we're going to get a glorified body one day. And by the way, the Second Corinthians 5, it goes on and it talks about to be, verse 8, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Now, what type of body do we have once we go to heaven, but yet before we get the ultimate, final, glorified body uh, at the rapture? I don't know, but I know it's real. The New Testament describes it as real, tangible, corporeal. Maybe it is that glorified body, but with a few functions not activated yet. Now, this, Bert, this is a very poor illustration, but if you've ever gotten a software program, I know we got some accounting software and you can install it, but if you pay the deluxe level price, you can switch on some features. And those features were there all along, but they just weren't activated yet. And so God is a God of order. When we die, we're with Christ. We're in some tangible, real, physical, but holy place. But at the rapture, the, the dead in Christ will rise first. We're going to get that glorified body. Is it different than the body you'll have in heaven right now? I don't know, but maybe it's the same body, but just they go in and they put on these new attributes. They switch <laughs> on 
uh, glorification mode. You mean I may be able to sing in that day, Alex? Oh, I think you sing good now. No, no, you don't, Alex. Listen, I've heard you. Well, you sung before. I I glorify the Lord, but I others by me. Yeah, Amen. Hey, thank you so much. Let's go to Jacob in Minnesota. We got a lot of callers, so let's see how many we can get in. Welcome, Jacob. Hello, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Good to hear from you. Um, real quickly, I'm in a Bible study that we meet every Sunday afternoon. It's young guys ages 18 to 30 years old, so, you know, we're pretty young. Um, we've been reading through the New Testament a lot recently, and um, we've kind of gotten hung up on a couple issues, and one of them that I need your help with is the goodness of God, because um, a couple of my friends in the Bible study seem to be of the um, the arguing position that if God is 100% good, then he can't be 100% just, and if he's 100% just, then he can't be 100% good. Can you help me to find some scriptures um, that point to God's goodness? They come at me with things from the Old Testament, like when God sent vipers after the Israelites, and when God murdered, uh, they use the word murdered, I haven't found that yet, but murdered children by the hundreds or thousands. And I just want some um, some more clarity into, do you believe God is good? And if so, what are some scriptures I can use? Thank you very much. Jacob, praise the Lord for a group of guys meeting at that age and going through the scriptures. God will bless you. God is good. And one of the songs that I've had Brent to put on is, He's a Good, Good Father. I believe Amen. that with all my I love that song. He is a good, good father. A good father, listen, he, he takes care of his own. And a lot of the times when you see that in the Old Testament, I'm going to put it this way, Alex, and then you fill it full. He was taking care of his own. Now, I'm not talking about just the Jewish people, but I am talking about his own that would come and even trust Jesus Christ because the ultimate goal was to bring Jesus and be born in that land to be the perfect, uh, to be perfect in every way and sacrifice. So in everything he did in the Old Testament was good in order to make that happen. Go ahead, Alex. Well, verses you asked for, and by the way, this is a great question, and it's one that we really have to talk about with youth, teens, uh, because so many young people have been on websites where they say, you know, God has committed sin or something. Well, God couldn't sin because, let me give you some scriptures. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. See, if there were any sin or evil in God, he wouldn't be eternal because sin is that which tends toward death. But I'm going to be even more precise and philosophical. Sin is that which tends toward non-being. And since we know God is eternal, Exodus 3.14, he's the I am that I am. Uh, let me say this, 1 John 1.5, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And the word there, uh, Greek word skotia, S-K-O-T-I-A, means moral darkness. So here's one verse, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now about the question, could God commit murder? Uh, you know, um, the the real way we understand, like the killing of the Canaanites and all of the 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 mandates to Israel to purge the Holy Land of the the pagans that were in the land. All right, we're talking about max two hundred to four hundred thousand people over a four hundred and twenty year period, and it really probably was more like 
225 to 250. Now, here's the thing. Uh, God had a morally sufficient reason for saying that for a couple of reasons. One, if they wouldn't repent and turn to the true God in four centuries, they never were. But what would be worse for a couple of hundred thousand pagans to die or for the human race not to have a savior? Because those people were being led by Satan to try to kill off the Jews and prevent Jesus from being born. Uh, So God had a morally sufficient reason. But Bert, let me just say this. As the one who gives life, as the one who owns life, God couldn't commit murder. Uh, God gives life. It's his prerogative when to take it and how to call it in. See, one last thing. uh, Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. See, this day belongs to God. This planet belongs to God. Our lives are merely lent to us for a few short years. Bert, even my body, my time, my life, my mind, my actions, I'm not my own. So the skeptics accuse God of committing murder. Honestly, that just shows how really imprecise they're thinking about things because God couldn't commit murder. He gives life, he calls it in, and it's in this little brief window that we have our our chance to use our will to turn to him. Bert, isn't it something God chose to make something in the universe that he wouldn't control? That's our free will. It is amazing, and when I see that and I think that, it blows my mind. I'd be honest about it, Uh, but be willing to live with some mystery. God's goodness and how he brings about, he is good. God is good. He's good all the time. I can share that with you. There's no variableness of turning in him. Uh, Tyler, Sheila, uh, sorry we couldn't get to your calls today. Uh, We would love to talk with you. If you can call back, we will do our best to get you on and answer your question first. So thank you for calling. Alex, it's been good to be with you. By the way, you're going to be on radio in the morning Uh, aren't you? That's right. Jenna Ellis in the morning, folks, 8 to 9 Eastern Time, 7 to 8 Central and so forth. But uh, listen in. I'm going to have Lance Wall now on in the morning. We're going to talk about the influence of the church in the culture. So all this week, Jenna Ellis in the morning, I'm guest hosting. I'd be very honored if you would tune in and listen. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word today. We're going to continue in 1 John tomorrow. It'll be chapter 2, Uh, We went over verses 1 and 2, but we'll review that a little bit and then go on through chapter 2. Look for love and look for obedience as you read ahead to see what God wants to accomplish in your life. We'll see you tomorrow on Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.